think I like what you said. I need more room up here too. <laughs> All good. Praise the Lord. See how wonderful the dedication can be? They're great, aren't they? Where we get the opportunity to just share the love of the Lord with a family and encourage them mightily. <clears throat> Praise God. This morning, um, we've had communion. We've had a baby dedication. We've heard the word in both. We've heard God's purposes in the things that he's called of us. And we've heard from which place we draw from as far as identity is concerned. That we don't do so out of the strength of our own Self, But in fact, that we are dead to the things that are us and alive to the very things which are Christ. And as we walk out our identity, we, we, we come to this place where our lives are starting to take on the nature of Jesus. Where our confession begins to become our reality which is really important. And, and what I loved about what Sarah shared during communion was that we need to confess this over our life, that as she shared, she asked us to repeat back that we would start to hear and quote and begin to speak the realities of who we are in Jesus over our life. I love that. I love that. Many of you here today have been on a journey with Jesus for a long time. And for some of you, You've never heard it in those perspectives before. But for others, sometimes we grow really weary and really tired of doing the things like confession over our life, like speaking the realities of Christ as if they were, which is actually an activation of our faith, is it not? For faith is the Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Hebrews 11.1 1. These things are something that through the seasons in life we must begin to remember. In a sense, we've got to stir into a flame. Then there's others in the room who, who, who may be at the beginning of a journey of inquiry. Inquiring of who Jesus is. Inquiring, is this something more than what we're going through? And in fact, you don't intend it or you don't mean it in any negative way, but you're watching the lives of those who are saying that they're Christian and you're not necessarily seeing something in their life that you want. And that's actually a blight upon the church, is it not? Because when the church is broken, who would actually want to be a part of her? But Jesus didn't die for a broken church. He died to make a church victorious and in the work and outworking of the kingdom of God in this present reality. God has called you to live over and above sometimes the emotional status that we walk in. Who updated their status on Facebook this morning saying that I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling emotional or I'm feeling grumpy? Like... The statuses that we put on onto our social media accounts, that's not actually who you are. It's what you're feeling in a moment of time, but it's not the declaration of who you are. Is that right? If you walked around saying that I'm happy, 
And the moment someone challenged that, you become glum. You're no longer that happy person in that moment. But it actually doesn't change the reality of who you are. This morning, I just want to share a thought with you. It's not a sermon. It's not a message. It's a thought based upon the fact that we've only got a short time. But I want to do it in a way that would bring thought to each of us, not just my own thoughts. Does that make sense? And that's why when I build into this, this thought comes from an extension of last week's message. Last week I shared around breakthrough to break out. It's, it's, it was part of a, a vision message that I believe that February is, becomes for us, the first few weeks of February becomes for us as we, we, we inquire of God of who we're meant to be pressing into the new year. Last week I talked about Jesus and his, his baptism and his calling out into the wilderness. Do you remember? Jesus was affirmed by the Father in his baptism. And for those who might not have heard the story before or weren't here last week, Jesus presents himself before John the Baptist and Jesus himself submits to the waters of baptism to do what was right before the Father. And in that moment, the Lord opens the heavens, a dove descends down and lands upon the shoulder of Jesus. And the words, the voice of the Father is heard by all in attendance. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. It's almost a picture of listening to Phil praying for his Son and asking God to be with him throughout his life. As a father, we want our children to grow up in the best possible way. And here, at 30 years of age, Jesus is not just pleasing God, he's affirmed by God. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I heard it once said that this was like the bar mitzvah for Jesus. A bar mitzvah is, is where the, the Jewish boys are carried out through the streets upon their father's shoulder as they're walking down the streets of Jerusalem or whatever city they live in. And the father is declaring that in their adolescent son, in this 12-year-old boy, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm acknowledging he is now a man before you and you will treat him as such. And this is like Jesus' moment. This is the proclamation over Jesus' life. This thought is around what happens next. Because I know each and every one of us have been affirmed by the Lord in some way, shape or form. Some of you may not have noticed it because you're too busy updating your sad profile. That's, that's a reality. That we, we invest too much into the things of this world instead of the voice of God over our life. We might have missed the subtlety of Jesus as he leads us to experience an encounter in the word. We may have walked in and graced the presence of a church building once or twice for a baptism or a dedication or a, or a christening. But we've missed the subtle, gentle workings of the Holy Spirit, which is drawing you and leading you in to the goodwill of our Father. What happens when we're walking this journey and the sad profile becomes our reality? What happens as we're walking in life 
and we are stretched to the place where we can no longer handle it. So the next part of the story was that Jesus was led into the wilderness. It wasn't the devil that led him into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit, exactly right. Which tells me that there's something in, in, that is something of significant worth about the wilderness experience that each and every Christian needs to encounter and be inspired by. I was reflecting with a couple of people during the week, just in, in my pastoral time, I went and visited a family and I, and I was talking to someone here at church. And just in reflection, these, this story came up a couple of times. Where the person I was speaking with, or the couple that I was talking to, were, were, were explaining to me what I'm about to explain to you. They were explaining that there was just something different about how they're hearing from God today, or about how they're following Jesus and how they're not necessarily getting as much from the word today as they used to, or how they're struggling a little bit in their way and approach of prayer. And the discipline of just getting into it was not necessarily where it was at. Because any one of us can force ourselves into a place of discipline. There's something about the goodness of God that draws us into a place where we receive from him, not because we're told to, but because we want to. So let me ask this question across the room. And if you're brave enough, just poke your finger up a little bit. You don't have to raise your hand up high and own it. But who's actually struggling, struggling a little bit to pray at this stage? Yeah? See? A few people. Who's struggling to find the time to get into the Word and spend half an hour with the Lord? Yeah? More people than not. So, so I'm not speaking to a group of people who don't know what I'm saying. I'm speaking to a group of people that I believe actually has a firm understanding of what I'm saying and don't necessarily know how to get out of this. We would call it a rut, wouldn't we? But think about it. I can't speak to God. I can't read my Bible. I'm not really being filled with his presence. I'm in a rut. What I hear when I say that, though, is actually not the truth. What I actually hear is a response to emotion. Because I'm tired. Because I don't know where to go. That I've lost a sense of purpose and direction in my life. Because I don't have the time to be with God at this moment. That everything else seems to be so much busier than what I've got the capacity to handle. And then I think about I've got work and I've got children and I've got a spouse and all of these things in my life that I just need to be with and I ain't got the time for it. And you're hearing what I'm saying. But if we shift our perspective like I was talking about last week, if we can change the way we view the season that we're in, then I think we set ourselves up into a way and a place where God can be received the honour due his name. Because I think, and I, I want to be brave enough to say this, I think that as we're wallowing around in our own pigsty, God's receiving no glory through our lives. Now, he's obviously p- 
perpetually in glory. He's got plenty of glory. He's never going to run out. Right? But he's not receiving the glory due his name through us as a living letter written to those around us. So I think about this and I think, well, what is it about the experience of Jesus heading into the desert that he was actually excited about? So I'll flip it. Can you flip the word sometimes? Because sometimes our perspective is actually in a negative. It was the Holy Spirit that led him out into the wilderness. Therefore, this must be a good thing. But Jesus fasted for 40 days, ate no food, and I believe drank no water for 40 days, which means it was a supernatural experience for Jesus. All right? Fasting for 40 days is a huge discipline, is it not? But he did it because he was led by the Spirit, which tells me that there was something profound in this moment for him. Not only was he fasting, at the time of the completion of his fast, the devil came and tempted him in a real way, as I shared last week. Isn't it funny that when we're weak, the enemy sees an opportunity to attack? Yeah? So if I'm describing something like I'm struggling as a church, we're struggling as a church to read our Bible or we're struggling as a church to pray, we're not necessarily reading the situation, can we not put ourselves into the position of Jesus and realize that actually in the moment of weakness is an opportunity for God to prove and to show his strength? Of course it is, because Jesus proved the strength of the Lord by what? Not opening his Bible and quoting it, but by allowing what had transformed him on the inside to come out and speak with authority. What a lot of us tend to do is, I need a word for a specific task. God, will you give it to me? I'll go back to the back here where I can find a word that relates to it and I'm going to go find my Bible. Now, while that's accurate and not wrong, there's actually a word within you that God is stirring that he's already done in your life that needs to come out. So when we pray in those moments of desperation, God, speak to me. God, I need to hear your voice. Something drops into our spirit, and that's the very word that has power for your situation to overcome. So when I said this morning about Angus, when I prayed to the Lord, that was basically my prayer. Father, I have nothing to share over this little boy today. What is it that you want for me to say? And he led me to Uriah. Ugh. But as I thought about the scripture and I read what, what happened to Uriah, it wasn't what happened to him, it was his character that stood out. See, God's got a word in season for each person. Jesus had three words in season and it it repelled the enemy from him to never come and have another opportunity at him. I think about these. God's will, God's purpose. What is it actually? Well, I think God's will and purpose is to grow us up into all things Christ. Isn't it? Yep. Let's open our Bibles. Romans 8, 28. 
Who loves Romans 8? Amen? It's one of my go-tos when I'm feeling like I'm in the desert. Yeah? When I'm feeling like I'm not hearing from God, Romans 8 is one of them places that I know I need to get to so that I can reaffirm what God's saying in my life. Romans 8, verse 28 and th- to 30 says this. One more page, Steve. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Even being led into the wilderness is used to work together for your good. Does that make sense? To those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to God's purpose today? Then all things are working towards your good. For whom he foreknew, this is Jesus, he also predestined, so he's foreknew you, and now he's predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This passage of scripture, I think, is going to come out a little bit this year. There's so much to glean from this. But we're considering that God wants us to grow up into all things which are Christ. So let's flick over to 2 Corinthians for a moment. Chapter 3 and verse 17. Lord, I need your help because I've got to bring this to a conclusion. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Or in the New King James, there is liberty. Yeah? But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a, in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So God is journeying you and he's helping you to unpack a journey and a voyage of becoming more like Jesus. Say amen to that, because that's a pretty good thing. Who wants to be more like Jesus? Keep your hand up high if you want to be led through a wilderness. Right? See, it's okay to say you want to be like something, but if you want to be like something, then you've got to go through what that something went through. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to go and and have a 40-day fast and, and rebuke the devil. That's not what I'm saying. But you've got to be trusting in the Holy Spirit as he leads you into places of dryness. Because it's in the dryness that you learn where the water comes from. It's it's within the desert place that you become a spring. Because God springs up in your life and you're not feeding your life from the things that are around you which are actually detracting of of you. So we must go through moments and seasons in our life. And I have this sneaking suspicion that it's not a one-time thing. Because if we're going to go from glory to glory, then I think there's a wilderness experience for each glory. So I, I, I explained it like this to our, our, um, our leadership team a few weeks ago. 
uh, I'll probably muck it up a little bit, but I, I want to help you understand something. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he is the door. Is that right? That, that Jesus is actually a door. So he's a doorway, something that needs to be open, and he can is the only one that can open that. But something we by faith must step into. You will never understand the kingdom of God, and you will never understand what God has purposed for your life unless you enter in through the door. If Jesus is the door, that means he's the only way into the kingdom of God. There is no debate around it. There is no other religion. There is no other way that can get in. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start this relationship with the Father. And he paid the price of this relationship by shedding his blood upon a cross where he paid for your life entirely. So as you embrace what Jesus does, you step in through the door and you cross the threshold from death into life. You, there is no other way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're seeking a way, but there is no other way. His name is Jesus. You must step into that. But if God is leading us into something new, whether it be salvation or a new glory, where he can reveal the nature and goodness of himself through you, and I say that, collectively and individually. If God wants to reveal his glory through you as an individual, he also wants to reveal his glory collectively in us as the body of Christ. If God wants to lead us through a threshold, I think that threshold is actually a wilderness experience. Let me explain it this way. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a really long time. I know... If I look back on my journey, I can see some significant wilderness experiences. Yep. If we're honest, we can look at it that way. In those significant wilderness experiences, what I've noticed looking back is they come when God's led me to a place where I seem to have not discovered something about him. So when I think about my journey and I think about how I read the Bible and I think about the passion that I had for the word and I think about oh, God's just speaking to me all the time and he's speaking to me. Guess what he's speaking to me about? He's speaking to me about the grace of God, the grace of God. Every time I open the Bible, it's the grace of God. He's leading me into a glory that I did not understand before. And I'm able to then, as I unpack that with his guidance, I'm able to share the grace and the love of God with other people around me. Is that right? That's the journey that he leads us on. When God leads us to the another door, which is the next door in our development, it means that he's ready to grow our capacity to bring something more of him in. Not to replace, but to bring something more of him in. So, for example, last year, he led me from the grace of God into the fear of the Lord. Who knows that they are really the opposites of, opposite sides of the same coin? It balances you up. But I find that you step through this door, if you close your eyes for a minute, and you step, you imagine stepping through a door, there's this fear that you're leaving something behind, isn't there? That you're going to forget it. 
But if you've got it, you're not going to forget it. The Holy Spirit won't let you forget something that you already have. You'll forget knowledge all the time. But if you own it and possess it, you won't forget it. He won't let you forget that. And it will come out in encounters that you have ministering to other people. And you'll think, where did that come from? I'm not even reading that in the Word anymore. But it's because the Holy Spirit says that you've got it. But if you close your eyes and you step in through the threshold and you go into this new level of place of the wilderness, like I'm just explaining, I want to just show you that the anxiety that comes up in your life is actually the dark room because you don't know something. Knowledge has this tendency to hold us in a place of pride where we know something and therefore it is. But when you trust Jesus and you follow him into the wilderness as the Spirit leads, what you're actually saying is, I'm letting go of what I think I know about you in this situation and I'm hanging on to you and you alone so that you can become my nourishment in this time. And I think what happens with a lot of us as I conclude this little thought, I think what happens for a lot of us as we step through the threshold, we step into the unknown and because of fear, we retreat and we put ourselves against the dark wall where we back ourselves up and we begin to panic and we say, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, God I'm dry. God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I'm lost. God, and, and the temptation there is to actually walk away. But Jesus never walked away. What came out of Jesus was the word and it refuted the lies of the enemy that tried to take him out. When you understand that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that is something that he did in the early part of your walk that he speaks through and reminds you as you go into the wilderness experiences. So you then take this confidence, well, God, if I am in a dark room and I believe that your spirit led me into this room, then that means that your presence has already gone before me. And if his presence has gone before you, then that should give you the confidence of being able to experience something you've never experienced before. And, and there's this resistance in us that I think needs to be set free from us. Where we can, we can say, God, I see the door. And I know you're leading me into the door. And this time as I step into the wilderness, like all the other times where you haven't failed me, I'm now going to confess that you won't fail me. And I think our wilderness experiences will begin to change. I used to say that with Jesus being the door, we step through the gate and we step into this place and we've got this vast meadow to explore. And I think that's what salvation is like. It's like the lights are on and the new colors are there and we're running through the meadow and the butterflies are there. That's what your salvation experience can be like for most. And it seems like the light came on and you understand something better than ever before. But you question that when God takes you to the next place of growth. Because it seems a little bit dimmer. Because there's something of the nature of God God wants to develop in you. And then as you lead, as God leads you, these dark room experiences are something that I'm talking about. And what we must do is actually let go and abandon and trust the Holy Spirit as he leads us in these moments. 
because the Holy Spirit will always lead us back to his word. If he doesn't, you're trusting the wrong spirit. There's your simple check on how to make this work. This is trusting God. He has a purpose for you. He has a desire for you and he wants to grow you into this. In conclusion, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, they deliver a child who is demonically oppressed. The guys that owned this child, they didn't they, they weren't happy about this because their source of income was gone. This child could, could do like um, divination and readings of people's lives and things like that. And Paul got so sick of it that he actually just, you know, cast this demonic spirit out and this child had lost that ability to do so. Because these people didn't like it, Paul and Silas were brought before the governors of the city and they were whipped with rods and, and, and whips and they were thrown into the prison. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, talks about this experience. And what has always confused me, your back and flesh is ripped open because of the beating that you had. You are in chains and it is obviously rubbing against the wall that you're on. So you're trying to stay off this. So it is not infecting and hurting. When you read it, what are they doing? They are singing hymns and praising God in the middle of this trial. Is that the response we would have as we were challenged the same way as them? My whole purpose is to see that none would turn their back on Jesus. So many people get led from glory to glory only to be brought to a place where their emotions take control and they leave their faith behind. God wants to lead you from glory to glory. As this week, as you go into the newness of the week, my challenge for you is this, and I will pray that God will seal this into your heart. What happened to Paul and Silas that they would praise God in the prison cell. As you read Acts chapter 6 and you find the miracle that God did, ask God how these men had the resolve in the midst of the biggest trial that they had faced to date, how they had the resolve to follow God. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father God, I... I thank you that you lead us into wilderness, not to destroy us, but to bring us life. I thank you, Father, that you bring us to a place where we must say it's Jesus or death. You bring us to this place where there is something new to find in you every day. Lord, and in the seasons of life that seem like they are being prolonged, whether it is relying on you for a healing, relying on you for an answer, for direction, for a calling, whether it's relying on you, Lord God, to breathe a new, fresh, deep level of intimacy with you.
whatever the door is that we are walking through now, would you give us the resolve to be like Paul and Silas, who in Acts 16, after being beaten to within an inch of their life, they hung in that jail cell praising you. And the praises of their God saw that cell opened and saw the jailer and his entire household come to know you. Lord, use our wilderness experiences as an opportunity of breakthrough that would see us break out into the newness that you have called us to. I pray, Lord God, lead us as your church and bring us into a place of breakthrough. In Jesus' name we pray.